Tis the season. Tis the season to be jolly. Not bad. Christmas is upon us, people. It's here and it is setting up camp for a while. Uh, obviously, you can see around this place, it's looking a little bit different, but not just here. When you go to the malls, you can already start to see the decorations going up, the sparkly lights, the music is changing, Michael Buble is getting dusted off, and that Christmas tree is getting ruffled back to life. It's the yearly resurrection of the Christmas tree. Now, despite what Darcy will have you believe, through her biased and ill-informed claims, I actually do love Christmas. In fact, I love it so much that I'm committed to preserving the season so that it remains special. There's no season like the Christmas season. Now, I've usually been pretty firm and pretty staunch on a 1st of December start date. But this year, my arm was twisted because we wanted to set up the Christmas tree uh, as a family while Darcy's family were here from the States. Boston was so cute. He would take one decoration, he'd put it on the tree and knock two off at the same time, which for him was just a bonus because there was a never-ending supply of decorations to aggressively just push into the branches of the Christmas tree. There's just something about the Christmas season that makes life feel a little bit different. And that's because life is a little bit different in the season. You would have noticed that all throughout your life, there are different seasons. And depending on which one you're in, life will look and feel very different. And as we dive into the Christmas season uh, this year, I want us to chat through the different seasons of life and where we see God in the midst of it all. See, I've come to learn in life, as I know many of you have, that seasons change. And while that can be unsettling and sometimes unpredictable, as believers, we find peace, solace, and assurity and stability in the fact that God doesn't change. While God moves in every season, He doesn't change with them like we do. In fact, us changing with the seasons is highly necessary. Seasons change, and it's often external factors around us that are shifting that we need to adjust to. For example, you might find yourself in a financially tight season, and so what do you do? You cut back on some luxuries, you work a little tighter to a budget, and you stop buying more Christmas decorations because you already have heaps. Don't you? You might do that. <laughs> You may be exhausted from a big season at work and you're carrying around illness or maybe you're carrying an injury. You know that it's important to slow down, look after yourself, eat well, and maybe say no to a few extra things. In winter, you put on extra layers, you put the extra blanket on the bed and you leave the bins on the roadside for the whole week because it's too cold to go and collect them. Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Here's the key. We often cannot stop the seasons changing, but we can adjust, reposition, and rethink our approach within each of them. The question might not be, what season are you in, but what's in you in this season? Ecclesiastes 3.1, this is King Solomon. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. You know, when life is good and you're on cloud nine, God is present. He's fighting our battles, he's faithful to his promises, and he wants to be near to us. You need to be reminded of that this morning. But also when life feels like it's terrible, relationships are breaking down, work is difficult, finances are hard, maybe you feel disconnected or lonely, the all blacks have lost, and life is the worst. When you're feeling at an all-time low, guess what? God is present, he's fighting our battles, he's faithful to his promises, and he wants to be near to us. I'm so glad that we serve a God who is constant and sure, even when it feels like everything else around us can be shifting. 
He is present with us in every season. One of the names of God we often learn about at Christmas time, it's, it's kind of like Buble, we bring it out at Christmas time, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's not just a distant superpower. He's not just a powerful character in a book, but he is literally God present with us today. And we're going to go through all sorts of different seasons in our life, whether we like it or not. And I've got a few thoughts for you this morning that are going to help us navigate those seasons. My message this morning is a little different from usual. I want to encourage you from God's Word. But in a little bit, I'm also going to share some exciting announcements for us as a church. And we'll mix it all in together. But the first thing that I think is going to help us in the seasons that we come against is this. Number one, seasons are about timing. Seasons are about timing. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but retail stores are very sneakily pushing the boundaries on when Christmas begins. Now, it was a few months ago now. I think I was in Farmers, and I was just there doing my own thing. I glanced across the floor, and I locked eyes with a reindeer who knew dang right he had no business being there. And I thought, I'm not about to lose a steering contest with Rudolph in a public place. So I walked up to this little reindeer to realize he wasn't alone. He had backup. In fact, there was this whole massive Christmas setup. This must have been September or October. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Now, don't get me long, wrong. I love Rudolph and Dancer and Prancer and Blitzen and Donna, Comet, Vixen. Cupid? He's a reindeer? Oh, my goodness. I love these guys. And the problem is I don't love them in September. I don't love them. Now, if it hadn't been December, I would have welcomed them with open arms. But it wasn't December, and so there was a timing issue. There was a problem with the timing. When we look at the nativity story of the arrival of Jesus, we see a nation who had longed for their Savior. Generation after generation in Israel had been reading about the Savior that was promised. He was going to come and redeem the world. They had been longing for this. And at just the right time, a baby arrives in Bethlehem. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, it says, But when the set time had fully come, everyone say set time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Friends, it's all about timing. But when the set time had fully come, that's when Jesus came as a baby in a manger. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good for at just a proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. These two verses show us that there was a set time and there was a proper time. The arrival of the Savior was obviously a good thing. It's what people had been hanging out for for generations, but just because something is good, or wanted, or needed, it doesn't mean the timing is good. Reindeer are awesome, but there's a season for them. Watching our children drive is great, but not when they're seven, right? There is a season for things. I remember Darcy and I, we, we so, so desperately wanted a baby before we had Boston. We still want him, but, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> before we had Boston, we so desperately wanted a baby. In our minds, having a baby would be a good thing, and it would be. But we had to learn to trust God in that season of waiting. We had to pivot our approach. We focused on being thankful for the things that we did have. We learned to trust God better. We prayed more and we were introduced to the struggle that many families face that has now given us an insight that can be helpful to others. It's not that our breakthrough wasn't coming, 
but there was a timing issue. Had we conceived Boston when we wanted to, it would have majorly halted the launch and the development of this church that we all call home. Now, at the time, if I'm to be completely honest, I would have traded it all. I would, I would have, because I, I didn't see this. I, I, I saw it in a vision sense, but I didn't know what we would have today. But now that we're on the other side of it, I can see what God was doing all along. I can see that in God's timing, we were able to have both. And can I encourage anyone else here today, if you are in a waiting season, to just be as present as you can. It's okay to ache and yearn for things. That's okay. But press into God more than ever before in the season. Maybe you too are waiting on a baby. Maybe you've been hanging out for a spouse or a family member to come to Christ. Maybe you're stuck in a job that's just draining the life out of you and you know that you need change. Maybe you've been praying for a lifelong partner and it just hasn't eventuated yet. Remember that it's less about what season you're in and more about what's being developed in you in that season. So keep Stay in the course, turn up, keep being generous, keep speaking life, keep praying, keep believing that this is just a season. Even the darkest wintry seasons have their days numbered and it will pass. And on the other side of that is a new season waiting for you. You know, there's often a reason for the season that you're in. And that's not to say that it's your fault or that it's your doing, but that there's always something beautiful that we can learn while we're walking through it. In Romans 8, Paul is speaking about living life empowered by God, even when we feel weak. And he says in verse 28, many of you may have heard this before. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, God often isn't the creator of the trouble and the difficulty that we go through. But he promises to work it all together so that good would come out of it. And then the prophet Habakkuk records God's word like this in Habakkuk 2 verse 3. Uh, I don't think this one's in your notes. I'm not sure. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It won't be delayed. Now, I understand that this verse is about a particular scripture for a particular time, but we can see in it the nature of humanity, that quite often we look at God's promises and we feel like they're slow. It feels like they're delayed, but we see here God's assurance that they will surely take place, that they won't be delayed, and that it's always in perfect timing to God. Seasons are about timing. The second thing is this. You can write this down if you take notes. Seasons require adjusting. One of the most significant hallmarks of a season is that the win is defined differently. What you hope to achieve in one season will be very different than what you hope to achieve in another. Let me give you an example. If you're working hard to save for the deposit for your first home, you'll make some necessary sacrifices along the way in order to achieve that, right? Like you might cancel your Netflix subscription. You might bike to work a few times to save on fuel costs if that's possible. Some people are like, I rebuke that. Um, you might not go on holidays for that season. You might pick up some extra shifts at work in order to bring an in extra income. Now, you might make these sacrifices in the season, but you can't live like this long term. This way of life of not having any holidays and working long hours is not sustainable for the well-being of you and your family. But in this season, the win is defined differently. In that season, it's about saving as much money as possible, so that might be the right approach. But now you change seasons. You've bought your home, you're in a different season, you might reintroduce some of those things in order to fill your tank, to create margin in your life, to give yourself some permission to have a bit of fun. 
in this next season, the win might be defined as having a healthy life balance, more time for the family. You might want to continue managing your finances well, but it's not so strict in that season. The most important thing is that our approach matches the season that we're in. Now, King Solomon, who I read that verse from him earlier in Ecclesiastes, he was considered to be the wisest man to ever live. And he was so clear that there was a season and a time for everything because the win is defined differently in different seasons. Whatever season you find yourself in, identify what it is that you're going after and adjust accordingly. You know, it's not too long after the arrival of baby Jesus in Bethlehem. This is a moment of joy. This is a moment of praise, like finally the fulfillment of the Savior. It's incredible. But shortly after that moment, this is a season of uncertainty and exile as Mary and Joseph, his parents, flee Egypt to avoid King Herod's attempt on baby Jesus' life. King Herod just wants to wipe out everyone under two just in an effort to get at Jesus. Now, those are drastically different seasons. Mary and Joseph could not stay where they were, and they could not continue living life the same. With a new season required them to change up what they were doing. You know, as a church, we've been through various different seasons, and in each of those seasons, the wind has been defined differently. About four years ago, we started to gather anyone in the community that might be interested in this brand new church. And in that season, the wind was defined as authentic community and clearly articulated vision. And it's not that we don't want those things in other seasons, but in that season, that was the focus. Well, we launched the church and we were off with a hiss and a roar. There were kids teams, leaders, programs, worship every Sunday, and new people were joining us every week. It was all very exciting and there was still a whole bunch of stuff that we were figuring out. In that season, we tried to find our rhythm on what Sunday services would look like. We were dedicated to creating an excellent Sunday service that you would be comfortable inviting your friends and family to, that there would be no weird Sundays. And so we're trying to figure all of that out. We knew that it was a brand new church that God was drawing people to. And so in that season, our priority was to be relevant in the way we clearly articulated the gospel in a service that wasn't weird. There's just too many weird church services around. And so in that season, we're like, let's find our rhythm. Let's present the gospel clearly in a way that makes sense to people. Well, we did that. We kind of found our rhythm and people were excited to be involved. The dream team of volunteers was growing every week and it was so exciting to see people using their gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. You might see a whole bunch of people around here wearing their dream team shirt. They're out in the kids programs. They're doing stuff in the community. We had an amazing community event yesterday, giving gifts into the homes of families that need it. They're part of the dream team too seeing people making a difference in the lives of others. And some of the most beautiful friendships were created and formed in that season of serving God alongside one another, and they're still being formed today. In that season, the win was defined as seeing as many people as possible released to make a difference. Our team was growing so fast that we knew we had to change things up. So we went from one service to two services so that we could reach more people and create more space for people to serve. And then we had an unwelcomed visit from old mate COVID. Have you ever found yourself abruptly thrown into a season you never wish you were in? Of course you have. We were all there. You've probably had that several times in your life, but we were all there experiencing that with COVID. You know, in some ways, COVID messed everything up. We couldn't gather in person, and when we could, the government had all these restrictions that we had to adhere to. It was challenging, difficult. For some, it was scary. And it really shook up the way that we saw the church. And so as best we could, we changed our approach within that season. 
You'll remember there was a stronger emphasis on small groups, gathering in homes, gathering in the park, having people around for dinner who weren't allowed to come inside to use the bathroom. <laughs> Can you remember that? That's stupid. <laughs> the win here was defined as using every possible tool in our belt to fight for unity, to strip back the extras and prioritize connection wherever we could do that. The win was to try and look out for each other in what would be the hardest season in many people's lives. External factors around us had changed, and so we needed to adjust in that season. And so here we are today, in kind of a post-COVID season. And I'm under no illusion that the impact of COVID has disappeared or gone away. There was hurt and disappointment experienced by what our nation had to go through, especially around the restrictions and things that the government put in place. But we've certainly come through the valley, and we're on our way forward now. And so in this season as a church, we again need to redefine the win and then adjust accordingly in order to go after that. We're making some fairly big changes uh, here at Elam Papakura, and I'm excited to let you know about them today. And I'm excited because I can already see the fruit that's going to come from them. The win for our next season is going to be to strengthen our dream team, create a stronger sense of connectedness for our entire church, and to lighten the load as we build in this post-COVID era. And so there's a bunch of changes I want to let you know about today, and I'm excited to let you know about them. The first one is this. Uh, as of Christmas Day, we're going back to one 10 a.m. service, and we're staying there. We're not going to have a 9 and an 11 a.m. service anymore. And I'm pumped! I'm actually so pumped. Now, some of you are like, I'm not so sure about that. I like my 9 a.m. service. And I'm going to say it in the 11, and I'll be like, oh, that's so early. I have, to, I have my sleep in then. I don't know. I want to share the why, and I think this is a great move for us. Firstly, I'm just so excited to have everyone in the room together. Just one family in the room. The energy, the atmosphere, the excitement, the faith in the room is going to be electric. I'm really excited for that. No longer missing people, friends and family that went to the other service that week and you, you, you pass them by. Now, we have plenty of space. We have plenty of chairs. We have hundreds of car parks. And we still have room for growth even when we go back to one service. And that's really, really important for us. Because if we went back to one service and we didn't have room for growth, there's no way we would do it. We're a church who always makes room for more. It means that some of our teams are going to be combining, which gives us stronger numbers to host and serve people better. You know, when we host and serve people well, it gives people a glimpse of the goodness of God. They get to meet someone who's far from perfect, but they're being transformed by God. It means that we have higher numbers of leaders and parent helpers in our kids' programs, and this will continue to add to the efforts in making our kids' programs fun, safe, and relevant. Our worship team won't have to get up in the middle of the night to, to get here for like a 7 a.m. sound check. Can we honor our incredible worship and tech team? They are phenomenal. I know we've already done that today, and... But, you know, I'm so thankful for our whole team, but our worship and, and tech team, these guys are here super early every Sunday um, in order to lead us so beautifully in worship. So, Axon and Nyla, thank you so much for leading that and, and doing a great job with it. This is really exciting, but I have to remind us of something with this change. The truth is it's quite inward focused. And let me explain. It is without a doubt we reach more people in our community when we have more service options. It's just the way it works. It's the way it's always been because when you have options, if something happens on that morning, you can choose the other one to go to. If you have plans that day, you can adjust and still come to church. So naturally, we reach less people when we have one service. But when we have two, it's also more difficult on our team. We can't ever become so consumed with what is convenient and easier for us. But in this season, it's different. 
in this season, I'm so excited because we are building something that's far bigger than us. Remember that, right? Like this thing's gonna be going and thriving and meeting people and there's gonna be salvation and breakthrough far beyond our lives. And so along the way, we need to have seasons of consolidation, of strength and of rest. It's a little inward focus, but you know what? Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need something that's just going to strengthen us for the season ahead. Now, a few quick things that we could all do, and I'm asking you as church family to get on board with this, to make one service go smoother, turn up early. Make an effort to get to church, get parked and get up onto level four before the lights go out for worship. A couple of reasons. It's way easier to find your seat when the lights are on. It just is. Our teams are going to, you know, we're going to do some extra training. We train them on ushering people really well. And can I please ask that we fill from the front of the room and the middle of the aisles? You guys love that. I don't even need you to love that. I just need you to do it. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Uh, Look, if possible, if you're not completely adverse to it, could we fill from this side of the room? But mainly, could we fill from the front and the middle of the aisles? I can assure you, if you need to get out to the bathroom, our premium economy seating will allow for it. You can still get out. It's going to be a little bit of a tighter squeeze, but we've got plenty of space here. So it's going to be so much easier to fit everyone if we fill from the front and the center of the aisles. It also means that when people come in late to church, for whatever reason, because Life happens, right? Sometimes you're just running late. It means that they can find a seat easily near the back there and they don't have to stumble around in the dark. Is that cool? Okay, that's the major change. From Christmas Day, a 10 a.m. service, and then Boomtown for the foreseeable future. It won't be forever because we're going to grow and we're going to need to go to two services again, but it's probably going to be at least six to 12 months. This is for the foreseeable future. One service, all the family together, Boomtown. It's going to be mean. Okay, the second other change I want to let you know about, which is quite significant, um, arguably more significant, is around our kids' programs shifting around. This other set of changes is what we genuinely believe is going to be great for our kids' programs and the little kiddies that attend them. So our primary age program, Power Zone, um, led by Samuel, um, has grown to have around 40 to 50 people, including leaders across the two services. Now at the moment, they are in the yellow house in the left-hand corner in the kids' space, and it's manageable. It's not too crazy, but that's about 25 to 30 people sitting down for their program. It's still just a bit limiting. Primary kids want to run around a bit and do a bit extra within the service. And so from the 1st of January, Power Zone will be running from our youth room for our one 10 a.m. service. This room is much bigger. It allows for active games, more space for breakout discussions, and more room to welcome others as we grow. This means that our current kids space will be exclusively just for our under fives program. Power Tots and Power Sparks will still have their own individual rooms with their own individual programs, but they'll both have access to the Power Park, which is that big play area that you see with the fire engine and the new wooden loft. This just adds to our efforts in creating a, a dedicated and safe space for the little ones in our church family. So the entire kids space will be under fives, that youth room will be power zone, which leaves the obvious lingering question as to what happens with voltage for our intermediates. With power zone moving into their room for the next season ahead, voltage as we know it is going to stop. And I realize there may be some disappointment in here, but let me explain a few things and would love to chat with you after the service if you would like to. Our youth pastor, JP, and some of the leaders are going to be hosting a dedicated youth service in our main service just over here. And more so in the 11 a.m., you'll see a lot of teenagers sitting there. They already know to go there. JP and some youth leaders are going to be hosting that, connecting with the intermediates every Sunday and having a great time with them. He's still going to run occasional intermediate-aged events like movie nights or games nights so that they have a place to come and gather as an age group. 
going to encourage them to come across to the cafe and have a hot chocolate together and chat about the message. The other thing I'm really excited about for our intermediates is that they get to be in here for live worship. It's something we haven't been able to offer in our youth room. We haven't had the personnel or the equipment. And to be honest, we're just quite far away from that. So for our young people to be in here and to engage with live worship as the team lead us, I think is a really positive change for them. I think it's going to be amazing. But it's not going to be forever. Voltage will not stay this way. But we felt like this was the best decision to make and necessary within the limitations of our physical space. Now, just a quick word to parents out there that have current year sixes that are moving into year seven intermediate next year. Uh, We would love to welcome your new intermediate next year to come and connect with the, the youth section on a Sunday, connect with JP and the youth leaders. They'll have a great time. But if as a parent you feel like you would rather your New Year 7 stay in power zone a little longer, because we realize that kids develop and grow and mature at different rates and different um, speeds. If you feel like you would rather them stay in power zone, even though they're a year seven, we can accommodate that. That's totally fine. We'll let you make that decision as a parent. The program is primarily designed for those up to year six, but there's a lot of year sevens that would love to engage with that as well. So if that's the case, just speak to myself or Samuel who runs Power Zone, and we'll make sure we can accommodate that for you. Whether we stayed with the two services we have or we went back to one, there was going to be pluses and minuses to both. But the win in this next season is to strengthen our dream team, build a stronger sense of connectedness for our whole church, and lighten the load a little as we build in this post-COVID era. Seasons require adjusting, and that goes for church life too. We'll, We'll adjust in this season to focus on what God is asking us to prioritize in this next season. Second thing was that seasons require adjusting. You guys excited for that? If you've got any questions, please come and chat to us afterwards. We don't make those decisions lightly, but this is not a step sideways. It's not a step back. This is a step forward for us in our journey as a church, and I'm pumped for it. Third and final thing um, is that seasons should be fruitful. You know, there are many tastes of Christmas. You'll know this well. There's the Christmas ham, Christmas pudding, Christmas cake, the brandy snap, pavlova, and that awesome biscuit sampler box. You know the one. I'm preaching now. That's a good sampler box. But there is Christmas' most polarizing and divisive item, the Christmas mince pie. Hands up if you like that thing. Are you serious? Hands down. I just Hands up if you don't like that thing. Okay. Mark, Cindy, Granny. The Christmas mince pie has no mince in it. We call ground beef mince. It's like minced fruit, which you're used to fruit pies. It's just terrible. It's just bland and tastes like it's been sitting out for 40 years. I heard that in South Africa, the the taste of Christmas, now I just heard that it's the Christmas trifle or the Malva pudding. Is that right? Do South Africans agree with that? I'm not trying to create like a civil war. Like, I don't know, like different parts of South Africa. For Americans, probably one of the most iconic flavors is gingerbread, would you say? Is one of the tastes of Christmas? You're like, yeah, and the other 40 flavors, yep. <laughs> Apparently in Hong Kong and Japan, it's Pizza Hut and KFC. Oh, My people, <laughs> I love that. You know, a little while back, um, I asked Aaron Harvey, I think I saw him sitting, he's over here, legend, to come and help me at my house because i got a whole bunch of fruit trees and they needed trimming. I don't want to kill them. Like, I've got no idea how to do that. You remember my next door neighbor, Richard, he's putting me to shame with his lawn every day. And I've got fruit trees out the back. And so I said, Aaron, because he's like a fruit tree expert. I said, come and help me trim the tree. So he came and he helped me. We trimmed them all back. They were looking pretty sad, to be honest. Like, they didn't look really like a tree anymore. But I knew it was necessary for that season of harvest ahead. And so hopefully in a few months' time, we'll begin to see fruit appear on the branches. You know, the Bible refers to fruit a lot. 
And we naturally link and liken the idea of producing fruit in our lives with a fruit tree, but it only produces fruit at certain times of the year. When the weather is right, when the temperature is right, it produces fruit, but not outside of that time. Now, the imagery of fruit trees is helpful for us to understand that something that is healthy should produce fruit that is identifiable. It should be visible. We should be able to see the fruit in people's lives. But it's also misleading in that we might make the error of thinking that we would only produce fruit in certain seasons like a fruit tree. But whether it's the proverbial summer or the winter of your life, we are called to produce fruit in our life in every single season. And I want to suggest today that the fruit that your life produces isn't dependent on external factors. It's not the external world, but rather it's your internal world. And as we enter Christmas and celebrate the birth of Jesus, it's the gift of Jesus that means you're in Christ, you're redeemed and you're reconciled. You're in this world, but not of it. You are born again of the Spirit. And so regardless of what season you find yourself in, even the hardest seasons, fruit should be produced out of your life. The result is still the same. It's Galatians chapter 5. Now, if you were here when Pastor Haley Lafaelli, our Bible college principal, preached, she butchered that. And I felt like, as a pastor, I needed to clean it up. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine. Fruit of the Spirit. Thank you, Haley. Let's be honest, she's a boss preacher, and that message was amazing. But that's the fruit that should be produced in our lives in every season, even the hard ones. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8, get this. It says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Check this part. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. They're prepared for the changing of the seasons. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Fruit doesn't have to be seasonal. When you're feeling down and discouraged, we can still be kind and gracious to others. When you're pressed for time and under a lot of pressure, we can still be patient to those around us. Your season shouldn't determine if there is fruit. Your season will just determine what type of fruit is being produced. Remember that seasons come and go. Keys, you can join me. And with each of those seasons, we are just within our life. We can't rely on what worked in one season to work in the next season. And that's why even as a church, we're making some changes. God is with us in every one of those seasons, though. He's faithful to His promises. He fights our battles, and He wants to be close to us. And in every season, the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit in our life. And it may just be that the very reason for the season that you're in is because there's a certain fruit that hasn't grown in quite some time and it needs those conditions in order to flourish. You know, this Christmas season, we define the win as becoming more aware than ever before of the reality and the significance of Jesus' birth. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the God of the Bible. He judges, sure, but he's not judgy. He's gracious and he's kind. He's compassionate and he's gentle. He's a wonderful counselor. If you've ever been to a counselor and you're left thinking that was wonderful, God's even more so. He hears you. He knows you. He helps you journey forward. He's a mighty God. He is powerful. He spoke the earth into motion, the whole universe into motion. He's not put aside by the challenges that you face. He wants to enter into them with you. He is an everlasting Father. 
He has always been. He will always be. There is a promise for you in eternity with Him. And He wants you to be there with Him for all of eternity. And He is the Prince of Peace. As Darcy prayed, and I think possibly some of the others shared, that in this season, this Christmas season, despite the frantic nature of it, that your life would be filled with the peace of God. The Bible says it's a peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense. In a time like this, I shouldn't have peace, and yet somehow, some way, I'm just at rest knowing God has got me covered. Maybe you've had a season that has been disconnected from God. A season or a lifetime where you've journeyed through life not knowing the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God that has a plan for your life. And as we finish right now in the next couple of moments, I would love to lead everyone here in a prayer, but especially for those that have never prayed this prayer or you know you've been disconnected for God, from God for some time. The best thing about a season is it's not forever. The best thing about a season is there's another one coming. And in preparing this and praying into it this morning, I just felt for some people hearing this message today, having God knock on the door of their heart, He's saying it's time for a new season to wipe the slate clean, to begin fresh again, brand new start for you. The old is gone, the new has come. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. That sin separates us from a perfect God. That's troublesome because then we're left to our own devices and there's no eternity for us. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to a cross. His perfect Son that deserved no punishment and yet Jesus took upon Him the sins of us all. He did that so that the wages of sin would be paid for. Because the Bible says that anyone who sins deserves death. It's a problem. But Jesus was the solution. He says, I'll take it. I'll take it upon myself. And that's why he went to that cross. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was crucified. And three days later, he rose again, defeating the penalty and the power of sin in our life. So that anyone that would confess that Jesus is Lord and turn their heart towards him, the Bible says the old would go and the new would come. You would be changed, as the scripture I read earlier, no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter of God. And today is your chance to get right with God. Don't have to quickly run out and memorize all these Bible verses or or do anything. You need to turn your heart to God and pray an honest prayer. Why don't we all close our eyes? I'm going to lead you in that prayer. This is your prayer to God and His promises that He would meet you in this place. He would forgive you of your sin and make you brand new today. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer, but this is your prayer. You pray it and you mean everything that you're about to pray. I'll say it out loud. You pray this in your heart. Say, dear God, I acknowledge I've sinned. I've had a season or perhaps a lifetime away from you, thinking I knew better, choosing my own road, sometimes turning my back on you. But God, in this moment, this Christmas season, I want a brand new start. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, God, that you have enough grace for me today to meet me where I'm at. And so from this moment, I turn, I change, I pivot, and I begin to walk towards the life that you have for me. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. I say from this moment, I am your child and you are my God. In Jesus' name.